Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Listen closely. That's not just paint rolling on a wall. It's artistry. A master painter carefully applying Benjamin Moore Regal Select Eggshell with deftly executed strokes. The roller, lightly cradled in his hands, applying just the right amount of paint. Hmm. It's like hearing poetry in motion. Benjamin Moore, see the love. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. He even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Achtung, achtung, welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland. And I thought to get this episode going, I'd read um, something. Even the Maltese found the summer heat unbearable. For the fighter pilots waiting to be scrambled, or for the men out in the fields or manning the guns, it was just another affliction and burden to be borne in this Maltese battle. It had rained at the beginning of June, but since then there had been nothing but deep blue skies and the sun that bore down relentlessly day after day after day. With the beginning of August, the Sirocco arrived, blowing the heat and sand of the North African desert over the sea and adding to the discomfort of the island. Now, um, that is the opening passage of Chapter 17 of Fortress Malta, an island under siege. And, and I'll let you know, ladies and gentlemen, while reading that, James didn't bat an eyelid. There, was no, there wasn't even a flicker of recognition on it. I was thinking, who wrote that? It's rather good. <laughs> not, a fli- not a flicker. Not a flicker of recognition no. on his face. And I thought I might just keep going until, uh, until you recognised what it was, but you didn't. But you didn't. <laughs> no. Well, it's quite a long time ago I wrote that book, to be fair. You know, it's not like you sort of, you know, you write a book, you publish it, and then you kind of sit back and, you and remember every- read it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> is, just before we before we get started, that's your that was your first um, Second World War history book, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and it was just it was just such an exciting, thrilling thing project to undertake. I mean, I'd never done anything like it. I just got completely carried away with all the research. I was, I was very lucky to, to to meet some wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah, you know. Maltese people, fighter pilots, people who've been on convoys, you know, submariners, um, women, children, blokes, clerks, gunners, yeah. you know, also, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just amazing. And everyone was so welcoming. They were so thrilled that I was doing the book. It didn't really take me seriously to start off with because, you know, I was like 30 at the time and, yeah. um, and, and a bit fresh faced. But 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 they were they were brilliant. Every, and everyone on Malta, you know, all the people that were sort of keeping the torch aflame were, were lovely as well. People like yep. kind of, you know Ray Polidano, Fred Galea, yep. John Ajuce, who'd lived through the through the siege. You know, made some great friends. People like Simon Cousins, who's a great sort of amateur historian on, on Malta. 
Um, some wonderful people. Um, John Mitzi, who who ran a thing yeah. called Malta at War, and you know, they were just everyone was just lovely. You know, everyone was just so into it, and it's just it's a bit like um, you know, sort of we were talking about how enthusiastic everyone was at We Have Ways Fest. It was kind of yeah. it was a bit like that, really, right? Kind of Malta, and it, I just thought this is just fantastic. You know, and it was all you know, Malta sort of. You know, Grand Harbour looks the same and the upper barracas are the same and you can see Frenchman's Creek where the illustrious was on the illustrious Blitz in January 1941. Um, you know, there's still scars, there's, there's still sort of cannons from a from a Spitfire which crashed into the ground yeah. sort of sticking out of a field in the middle of nowhere. You know, yeah. and the, the spang all over the place. So, you know, it, it, it was a brilliant place to, um, it was a brilliant place to write about and, and I was just... Was it a good place to start as a historian? Because it's in a, in, in a sense it's contained. The island is so... Sp- the island is so small that 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 that, that geographically your story is is limbed, isn't it? By by the size of the island, its place in history, it's an episode that essentially sort of ends as well, isn't it? It's it, and all that sort of thing. Is, was that a good place to start as a writer? Do you think? I, I think so. Yes, and and you know it was interesting because at the time I I, I was I was working on a on a historical novel. And the reason I got interested in Malta was because I'd interviewed Jeff Wellham, um, yeah, you know, yeah. who, who then later became famous for, for First Light um, and his time in 92 Squadron in the Battle of Britain. He'd been a Malta and he'd, he'd arrived on Malta as part of Operation Pedestal. He'd flown yeah. off HMS Furious. Yeah. Um, I think it was Furious. Um, or No, I'm pretty sure it was Furious. Yeah. Um, and, and gone to Malta. And, and was telling me all about it, and then you know having landed and joining one four three five flight, um, and um, then having to kind of do these fighter sweeps over Operation Pedestal as it was getting yeah. nearer to, yeah. to 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 Malta. You know that was literally his introduction to this place. This sort of mad kind of awful island, you know, which is now this was lovely holiday destination, but back then was kind of sort of you know baked, you know, bleached, full of fleas and. Mosquitoes yeah. and yeah. just miserable and horrible and Malta dog and all the rest of it. <laughs> and I just thought, gosh, I don't know anything about this at all. So I went off to kind of uh, I went off to Motor Books, um, which was just off the um, Charing Cross Road, um, uh, and to look for a book on Malta. And there wasn't one really. Yeah. Um, I think they had an old copy, an old second-hand copy of the Capitan of Malta by uh, Nicholas Monstrat, which actually is, you know, unlike the Cruel Sea, it's quite a hard work book. It's just not. It's not brilliant to be honest. And. Um, so I then said to my agent, "Well, what do you think about me doing a book, a, you know, history book on Siege of Malta?" And and he'd literally just visited, and uh, ah. been around the War Museum. So he was kind of, you know, he's sort of slightly receptive, into it, yeah, but receptive. Uh, and it just, you know, it's just one of those things. It just, it just was the right moment. And we had this lovely launch party when it finally came. You know, it's not, it's not massively. It's a bit infradict to have a launch party these days. Yeah, um, but, but 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 you know, we got away with it. It was the first one, and there were still lots of veterans allowed. I had this fantastic. Well, you remember when we went on to HS Belfast and we had yeah, the yeah. launch party there on the, yeah. kind of, you know, on the, on, yeah. on one of the gun decks, and um, you know, and I was looking at that. I was reminded of that picture. That was taken of us at the launch. You know, me looking like some sort of, you know, sort of, I look like a sort of schoolboy twit, really, surrounded <laughs> by these kind of, by these wonderful old people who are all, you know, people like Tubby Crawford, you know, who'd yeah. been second in command on Upholder, and I don't know, Fred Jewett, and um, Michael, um, Michael Montebello had come all the way from Australia, and, and Freddie Treves, you know. I mean, this is the this is been the... on the Weimarama and pedestal, and it was just incredible. Well, this is extraordinary because I mean. You, now you're talking about your, your. You've been talking recent weeks about your book about casino and how what you're going to do is go back to con- actual contemporary t- accounts, diaries, you know, letters, reports, because to try and put yourself more into the moment. Twenty years ago, it was twenty years ago you wrote Malta. I mean, you don't, you, 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 you did, you didn't have to do that. 
you you could you could talk to people's widows you could talk to people's to to, to pilots to sailors to to soldiers you could talk to i mean it, that that must be, and they did, were do you know what and they were so happy that i wanted to ask talk to them and how did you find you know, them how did you find them and select them are we but don't worry if you're listening we will get to the to the 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 the, the, to the con- crunch to the crunch to the convoy itself but how did you choose them how did, were there regimental associations what what, did you, what was your what was your because especially as you were new new to it you didn't have a method yet did you so you hadn't got a uh you hadn't got your sort of mo had you jim no i, I got hold of a guy called I, I i got tipped off by someone called frank rickson who lived in tidworth um and he'd been in the uh, west kent's um on malta and had joined up as a boy soldier in the late 1940s yeah. he was kind of an orphan and um, he was a lovely chap, and he he was a member of the George Cross Island Association. So yeah. um, he put me in touch ah. with some sort of key players in that, and they had a little kind of sort of you know a paper stapled kind of monthly quarterly um, kind of newsletter that went out. We put a note out mm. and all that kind of stuff, and um, and they were great, you know. And Frank put me in touch with some, with Peter Rothwell, and Peter Rothwell put me in touch with someone else, and then I went out. To, I started doing research in the War Museum and places like that and then I got to uh, then I went actually went out to Malta and I saw the kind of you know the, the brilliant people at the uh, Malta Aviation Museum um, and you know ev- everyone just sort of gave me more contacts all of the way and, and, and wherever I wanted to go whether it was you know gunners whether it was fighter pilots whether it was ground crew whether it was submariners or whether it was people on Operation Pedestal there were always veterans um, yeah. and, and some of them, you know, I, I can remember, I mean, I remember talking to Freddie Treves like it was yesterday and I, I knew all about Freddie Treves because I was a big fan of the Cazalet Chronicles, which were yeah. written by um, Elizabeth Jane Howard. And they did a brilliant TV series on the BBC and he ran for one series, which was a great tragedy. It was produced by uh, one of the producers, Joanna Lumley. Right. And I don't know if you've read any of those Cazalet Chronicles, but well, the I've Brig not. is the kind of sort of patriarch. Well, he's the patriarch of this of this sort of three generational family going through war. Yeah. Uh, and the Brig in the TV series was played by Freddie Treves. Right, and uh, and I got hold of him, and I and I wrote to him, and he invited me to his house in in Wimbledon, um, and I went down there, and he was just the most wonderful, wonderful chap. He really was lovely and and very happy to talk about his acting career, which was which was long and 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 yeah. he's, he's, you know he's a very distinguished character actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he'd been a seventeen year old merchant navy officer cadet on the yeah. Waimarama. It was his first trip out to sea as a, yeah. as a kind of newly come out of Pangbourne yeah. Merchant Navy School or whatever it was. Um, and he was on the Waimarama, which sank in three minutes on the 13th of, um, or the 12th or whatever, of, of, of August. So it's, it's you know, and, and his memories are very vivid and he did break down at one point recalling what had happened um, but I'm kind of sort of jumping the gun on that story yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. obviously the reason we're talking about Malta today is because um, you know it's the middle of August um, it's the 80th anniversary of, of Operation Pedestal which is the most heavily escorted convoy of the entire war and when yeah. you think that that you know, most convoys going across the Atlantic, you know, 40 ships, 38, 42, whatever it might be. You know, this was kind of sort of, this is, this is, is, is 40 merchantmen and a, and a tanker. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's it. And, and the force that was assembled for it, um, is just absolutely extraordinary. You know, four aircraft carriers, two battleships, the Nelson and the Rodney, yep. seven cruisers, Sirius, Nigeria, Charybdis, Manchester, Kenya, Cairo, and Phoebe, 32 destroyers. Yeah. Plus other vessels, oilers, corvettes, 
little tugs, all sorts of little kind of, you know, uh, uh, yeah. various sort of whalers and all the rest of it that are accompanying it as well. I mean, it is amazing effort, um, you know, of which against them are some 659 frontline Axis aircraft. Yep. Six cruisers, 15 destroyers, 19 Schnellbooter. Yeah. You know, we always love E-boats. Um, 16 Italian subs and three U-boats. You know, that's a, that's a hell of a force against them. Yeah. When you think that, you know, the entire um, U-boat effort in the Atlantic in January 1941 is kind of six U-boats. That's a... <laughs> That's a hell of a lot. You know, and this is the problem of trying to move stuff down the Mediterranean because it's very narrow. Yeah. Um, there's lots of land either side of it. Yeah. Um, so, there's, you know, you're always within aircraft range. You don't have that kind of mid-Atlantic yeah. Yeah. kind of, you know, air-free zone that you have until kind of sort of late summer 1942 yeah. that the, 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 the Allies have trying to do convoys across the Atlantic. That yeah. doesn't exist at all um, going across, um, going across um, the Mediterranean. You know, you're you're surrounded yes, there's, by. There's nowhere. Territory. There's nowhere to hide in in the med. There's you, nowhere you, to you, hide. You can't disappear into the vast folds of the Atlantic Ocean. That 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 you're never. You, you're. I mean, you're probably never more than 150 kilometers from the coast, are you? Is the is the thing. I mean, no. And and I think what one. You know, you just said. Well, why don't you send some more ships in? Well, you know, the the the, the reason is is that that sending a convoy because of that because you're you're never far you know you're never really out of kind of aircraft range yeah of enemy aircraft range and submarines of various types and naval forces and all the rest of it and 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 these Schnellbooter, which are superbly well suited to the Mediterraneans. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these are boats that can operate at kind of forty-five knots, which is you know like super quick. Yeah, uh, they're, they're absolutely armed to the teeth. I mean, yeah. you know, the waters of the Mediterranean are perfect for those kind of vessels. Yeah, and they are super lean. If they can get on a target, you are toast because yeah. they can rake you with cannon fire. Um, they can rake you with with bigger guns, and they can. And they bugger off. torpedoes at you. And then, and then, then disappear uh, off into the knife. I mean, you yeah. think, think the fastest a U-boat can go is like 14 knots. These things are going at kind of 40, 45. I mean, they are super... You know, think of your meanest, badass speedboat kind of cruising yeah. around. You know, when you've been... I don't know if you've ever been to Malta and you've seen yeah. these playboys kind of rushing around the, around the island. Think that. Yeah. And then think of the kind of, you know, arm to the teeth. That's yeah. what you've got rain against you. So it, it, it's, it's a horror story. And, and they have this... You know, so mounting an operation like this is first of all, you've got to get your ships together, your merchant vessels. Yeah. And these merchant vessels have to be fast merchant vessels. Yeah. You can't have slow comp. This is this is not your place for your sub ten knots. No. This is for your kind of sort of fifteen to twenty knot kind of merchant vessels. And there's just not that many of them around. You've got to get them there um, safely through from Alexandria or or you know through through Gibraltar, and then. Um, and that takes time, and so there's the March convoy, which is coming from um, um, from Alexandria, which fails, um, and does three ships do reach Malta, but they're not unloaded quick enough. And you know, I've I've banged that particular drum before on this podcast, but it, it's a really bad bit of management from the yeah. from the governing council of the of, of Malta, both the, the service chiefs and the lieutenant governor and the um, yeah. uh, and the governor, and. Um, and so they only managed to salvage a kind of small amount of ton. I think about five thousand tons uh, out of that, which is not enough. Then there is a, the June convoy, which is seventeen vessels mounted um, at, at the same to, same time. One half from Gibraltar, one half from Alexandria. The entire Alexandria one has to turn away. Yeah, um, and only two ships from Gibraltar managed to make it. 
yeah. uh, which amounts to 25,000 tonnes. The only thing that kind of keeps Malta going um, is that plus the magic carpet surface, which are these larger mine-laying British submarines, which can bring a certain amount of fuel. And that's basically what's fun. That is what's fueling the RAF effort. Yeah. So yeah. there's not much left for the, for the, for the starving population. Those two convoys are harp- harpoon and vigorous, aren't they, that have both failed? Yes. And, and so, so the situation on the island is... I mean, I think what's really interesting about Malta is that, is that you know, the, 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 the sort of chief of the Imperial General Staff's sort of eye of Sauron, you know, if you, if you want to look at it like that, you know, like looking, looking, looking around the world for its problems just doesn't look at Malta quite often enough. And that there's so much drama in the desert in North Africa being played out where you have a crisis of confidence within the army as to whether they can, whether they can actually deliver a victory. You've had... You know, if you look at the, the sort of the, the lit- litany of failure on land, you know, Greece has gone wrong, uh, Crete has gone wrong, North Africa. You've had Crusader, which is which is this sort of great incomplete victory, which is you know, which is a, 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 a sort of a tactical victory for the British, but not a strategic victory, which leads them open to well, not strategic enough. Well, not strategic, yeah, but but just you know, the proof of the pudding is yeah. the following January. Well, Rommel goes over, goes as has a sniff, and they and the British fall apart in front of him. But 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 basically, but basically, it, it's as if it's as if, like I say, the all-seeing eye of the chief imperial general stuff just doesn't light on Malta quite enough, or in, until or not until almost too late. And you get these club runs of Spitfires, don't you, which start up um, trying to get Spits there, and, and as you said before. You know the island. The island is the island's asking for help, but then when help arrives, isn't equipped to receive the help. So those fir- the first club runner Spitfires that comes in, they're all shot down on the or they're all destroyed on the ground the minute they arrive, aren't they? And the yeah, there's a, there's a bunch in March and they kind of struggle through, and then there's then there's the kind of 40, 48 that have flown off, and forty seven make it to Malta, yeah. uh, and and within. I think four days. I think there's nine left or seven yeah. left or something. Yeah, yeah, and most of them being destroyed on the ground. But 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 it's always it's always never quite enough, is it, to 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 rescue Malta? Why yeah, is it? And I think one why, of the big problems. Why why given? I mean, you only have to look at a blinking map. I can figure this out, right? <laughs> you know, I, 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 you only have to look at a map, see where Malta is, and it's blindingly obvious why Malta is so important. It's blo- it's it's sort of staggeringly obvious that Malta is incredibly important to whatever plans. Or pipe dreams you may have about what you're going to do in the Mediterranean. If you can't control, because after all, you don't control Sicily, so you need you need somewhere else. Once you're once you've occupied the whole of North Africa, or or if you're intending to occupy the whole of North Africa, you know you you need because you want to be able to interfere with Axis shipping, and you want to hop off point for any any soft underbelly stuff or whatever whatever you want to call it. So Malta's it's blindingly obvious how important it is. So why? Why is there this sluggishness? Why does it take a thing like pedestal? You know, why finally is there a thing like pedestal? Why have they not been trying this before? Well, is it well, shortage, well, this, this, shortage of shipping or is it just that the Chiefs Imperial General Staff never quite got round to it? No, it's, it's, well, it's, 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 it's partly that. It's, it's, it's late 1930s. It's kind of sort of, you know, real... 
moment is 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 underway but they're doing all the big stuff they're kind of you know building the air defense system in great britain they're upgrading yeah. battleships and all the rest of it and they've just taken their after ball on when it comes to malta you know everyone yeah. knows from, from the invasion of abyssinia mid 1930s that italy is is a potential threat but no one's yeah. really taking italy particularly serious because they know that italy is is largely impoverished and it's lots of grandstanding by by mussolini and yeah. you know taking abyssinia you know great you know that doesn't prove anything um and and so it it's Malta is there, but then by the time the war begins, suddenly it's like, yikes, we're in the middle of the war. We've got a, we've got yeah. Nazi Germany as the main threat. It's the continent is the main threat. Our own water is the main threat. So all the emphasis goes on to that. And so Malta, you know, plans to build submarine pens never get made. Um, not enough, yeah. you know, planes aren't sent out on time. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's not B-list, it's C-list kind of commanders, service chiefs put onto Malta. And and so suddenly, you know, then Italy is in the war. But by that point, in in on the tenth of June, nineteen forty. But by that point, Britain's got its hands full. You know, it's just had the Dunkirk evacuation. Yeah, it's yeah. An absolute turmoil from what's happened. The, the absolute strategic earthquake that's happened on the continent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so, Malta is then reinforced. But don't forget, British British strategic um, planning in the Second World War once france falls then becomes a strategic um a, an opportunistic strategy yeah which is let's kind of see how it all plans out let's exploit the weak spots uh, there's no plan at all to operate in the mediterranean there's no opera- plan at all to take on the italians in 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 north africa at all it's only when um they realize that that that, that the italian assault on malta has not been prosecuted with anything like the a vic- sense of urgency or determination yeah, yeah. that the, the, the Churchill suddenly goes gosh actually this is where it's all going to be at this is the kernel in the Mediterranean yeah. this is the soft underbelly I mean, it's and, also- and we have to respond it here and so that's why suddenly you know I mean within a matter of a week hurricanes are landing on Malta and, and you know it's urgently reinforced with huge numbers of air, uh, anti-aircraft guns yeah. um, which are built up to you know brought up you know, not up to speed but up to you know five six times what they were in the summer of 1940. 1940 by the end of 1940 and then of course the Italians invade Egypt sort of half-heartedly at the beginning of September 1940 and then there is the counterattack Operation Compass in December yeah. 1940 and so suddenly it's become this this thing and it's kind of too late to, to respond to it and you've got these you've got these idiots um not idiots but you've got these really <laughs> not up to it um, people in charge, the service chiefs. I mean, Admiral Leatham's pretty good, actually. Um, yeah. and, and Wilbraham Ford, and then he taken over by Admiral Leatham. Um, they're okay. I mean, Park, I've talked about before. Yeah. You know, he's just he's just not using his brain properly. Yeah. And, and and you know, he's not saying, okay, we're now in this situation. What is Malta's potential? What can be achieved? What do I need? He, he's not asking for the right kit. You know, he's not asking for enough radar. He's not asking for, for yes, ground was, controllers. He's not asking for Spitfires. You know, well, it, is, gonna, it is gonna, only when Basil Embry turns up, yeah. who is sent by Tedder, who is Air Officer Commanding Middle East, RAF Middle East, yeah. and says, what the heck is going on Malta? Go, you know, why aren't I hearing this from Park, um, um, from, from Hugh Lloyd, rather? Yeah. He sends Embry over. Embry goes, within, you know, five minutes of walking around to Carl. Luca just says what you need is a first class ground controller you need more radar and you need spitfires really yeah. easy and so that's in February 1942 but by that point the kind of Malta blitz is already happening you know yeah. Castlering is trying to kind of blow them out of the water and, and and so they're kind of responding to a situation which is already veering out of control but then at the end of April the Luftwaffe Rommel wins the, the strategic argument about what's yeah. the, what, what what is the next big thing is it subduing Malta 
you know, is it invading Malta or is it launching a counterattack against the yeah. Gazala line? Yeah. He wins that particular battle. But obviously you can't have the Luftwaffe everywhere. You know, there's no, you know, they're already kind of stretched beyond yeah, breaking yeah. point. And so most of the Luftwaffe are in Sicily, then not all of them, but most of them, majority of them, then move to North Africa, which then gives Malta a bit of relief. And at that point, it's kind of breathing point time. And everyone suddenly realises that actually Malta has got away with it. You know, yeah. we've got it. We, the, 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 the blitz has kind of is the worst of the blitz is over. Malta is still standing. And yikes, what a strategic, impo- uh, 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 you know, what a strategically important island it is. We need to up our game. So um, Dobby, the governor, gets sacked. He's replaced by, by um, Field Marshal Lord Gort, which is just a great yeah. bit of, you know, that's a genius thing, you know, because Gort is a VC winner. He's Lord Gort, you know, he's he's tarnished by by Dunkirk and and by the BEF in France of course but he's still a you know right up there i mean he yeah. you know he he's he's his top grade commander and this is perfect for him because yeah. no one's going to take any crap from Gort and he's going to completely grip the situation and yeah. you can say what you like about him but he, but he's completely fearless and he's absolutely not afraid of making difficult decisions and then they need to get rid of Hugh P. Lloyd which they do in in quick order and and actually the air battle that 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 happens between Park taking over on the uh, he arrives on the by by flying boat on yeah. the uh, on the fourteenth of July nineteen forty two and, and Puloid is, is is scuttled off. Within two weeks he he's totally transformed the yeah, shaken on, it down and on, fixed fixed it. Oh well well um, uh, you know he he you know he he spends the first kind of week out there observing, um, and then on the twenty fifth of July he he issues his forward interception plan, and his forward interception plan is basically a big wing. But the idea is to destroy the or hit the enemy before they reach Malta. Don't yeah, let yeah. a bomber get to Malta. So he sends up three squadrons at a time, which he can now do. Because it, it basically in June and July, they're losing about 16, 17 Spitfires a week. But they're not losing anything like as many pilots as they were because they massively upped the game on air-sea rescue. Yeah. So they're not... And, and they think they get... They get something like... I think there's 59 Spitfires arrive in June. Another 59 arrive in, in July. So these are decent numbers, which means you could got multiple Spitfires Spitfire squadrons on the ground. Yeah. The great thing about the Spitfire, as we know, is that it, it can climb fast. It can climb to, to, to 25,000 feet in kind of 15 minutes, which is yeah. you know ample time to, to, to intercept enemy aircraft from Sicily before they reach it. Cause, and because that's the key to the whole air, thing. Aircraft coming from Sicily, um, it's what? It's 100 kilometres away, 60 miles away, isn't it? So Well, well the, 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 the south... Nearest, at the nearest, at the nearest point. So the so, nearest point, but a lot of them are going a lot further. Yeah, from yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So, from, from, so from, you've you with with proper radar, you fair warning that they're coming, but but you've got to meet them at in, uh, at altitude, haven't you? Because because yes, what once they're once they're once they're committed to bombing, they could hit, they could they could bomb Malta. So you 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 you're, right. you're, you're trying to you're trying to even the odds there. But the but but the problem remains getting ships to Malta. Is really really well, yeah. Just let me just say one last yeah, thing about yeah. the forward interception plan because yeah. I think it's actually key to key to the success of Operation Pedestal. So the idea behind it is that what you do is you send one uh, one squadron goes up as high as possible, yeah. gets behind the sun and attacks, intercepts the the high escort. Yeah. The second squadron goes up and intercepts the close escort, and if they haven't got them, just attacks the bombers. Yeah. And the third squadron goes in and manoeuvres and attacks the the bombers head on. Yeah. And the Italians don't like this at all. There's nothing more terrifying than being a bomber pilot than having a having a, a fighter plane come straight at you. And this is exactly the tactic of 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 the of Gallant's fighters yeah. um in northwest Europe against yeah. the you know flying fortresses and all the rest of it yeah. and in um uh, of of the 8th Air Force uh, and the daylight bombers. So 
they do that and it's incredibly effective. Yeah. And by the end of July, daylight bombing is is over. It's yeah. just it's gone. Uh, and Stukas have been completely withdrawn. Yeah. Um they're both needed elsewhere in the battle in 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 North Africa but also they've just been defeated yeah. by by this 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 improved um um air defense system around Malta but also the the, the tactics the very aggressive tactics that that but Park says and what happens is the fighter planes then come over higher and higher and higher so Park then says to his fighters I don't want any fighter to go above 20,000 feet right. on the one hand you might think well that's a that's a massive disadvantage but yeah. what he's saying is if you if you want to the only way you're going to be effective is you come down to our height and if you come and what you have got is you've got a big sky full of blue um, yeah. and, a, and a great big sun. So the fighter pilots, as long as you make sure that you, you, you know when your fighter pilots are diving down on you, you can manoeuvre around so that you can get behind the sun. And obviously at 20,000 feet, yeah. Spitfires are incredibly manoeuvrable. Yeah. And so you're using their advantage of their manoeuvrability against the enemy. And, and so it completely works. Obviously, the fighter pilots don't like it very much because it makes them feel vulnerable. But, it, yeah. but it's entirely successful. And yeah. that is really key to the kind of planning of, 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 of pedestal, this change in the fortunes of the Allied aircraft. And, and, it, and it's transformed, obviously, partly by greater numbers of radar and a better defence system, greater numbers of Spitfires, but, but it's also vastly improved tactics. And that, is, that bit is down to, down to Keith Park. We need to take a quick break. We'll be back in a second. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, welcome to IKEA, where even this desk is circular. Huh, how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your IKEA items for store credit. Or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com circular. Visit ikea-usa.com circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. Anytime fitness is for real people with real fitness goals. I mean, let's be honest. Most of us aren't training for marathons or half marathons or even half half marathons. Only time most of us are running at all is if we're trying to make a connecting flight. Wouldn't have been late if we didn't stop to buy a headphone dongle. Point is, you gotta be ready. You do not want to deal with rebooking. Anytime Fitness, where real people help you make real progress. Join today and get a plan for training, nutrition, and recovery. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. James and I are talking Operation Pedestal. For when Pedestal gets to Malta. After all, we, we, we've, we're talking an 800-mile trip from Gibraltar and a great, deal of, a great deal of the action 
you know, e- where's Eagle is an Eagle's lost sort of two days out of Malta, isn't it? So yes. So 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 Operation Pandasaur is given the green light mid June. So even before um, the, the the Alexandra um, convoy has been called off. Yeah. Um, in uh, like a couple of days later, and then it's proper planning of it goes into uh, begins in the middle of July. Yeah. And everyone realises why this is so important because of what's going on in North Africa. Yeah, you, you need to get Malta operating back as an offensive base and PDQ. Yeah, and there is also this sort of residual worry that the Ita- the Maltese might kind of flip and go. Actually, we're going to back the um, you know, we'll back the Italians instead or something, or the Axis yeah. forces. So there's a whole you know, and, and, and Malta is starving. There's no question. See, that, about. But, but the main thing that, is that that, that, in is, so, that in itself is very very interesting because the the, the uh, British assessment of populations tends to be um that either they're completely 100% with us or they're about to, they're about to flip what do we do what do we like they're it's either complacent or paranoid you know we were talking about Greece the other day oh the Greeks will come over to us they they're with the British you know of course they of course they're on they'll be on side they're with the Maltese that it's this paranoid worry that they might flip and that they might lose control of the population so interesting interesting sort of Dichotomy in the in yeah. the British view of how people are going to people are going to react to them. Um, well, there's also this 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 Maltese-born um, Italian spy has been yeah. has, has swept up on the um, um, off the Dingley Cliffs, and it, his whole mission has gone completely wrong. Yeah, um, and he and he's captured and arrested and subsequently hanged in um, in, in November 1942. But that's just sort of reinforcing this sort of, you know, I wouldn't say it's paranoia, but but it's sort of, you know, nibbling in the background, this sort of this concern as well. There's a whole load of things going on. But, but, the, yeah. but the, the, you know, the reason we don't want Malta to, you know, the British don't want Malta to fall is because it's such an obvious offensive base. And you well, want and it would be a ma- complete pain in the arse to retake. I mean, the, the total. The, I mean, the, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Arguably, and also, and the arguably fortunes, impossible. And the fortunes of North Africa yeah. are obviously completely linked, and everyone yeah. gets that by this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a strong Malta, strong performance in North Africa. Malta, Malta lost. You know, it's not exactly game over, but it's making your job in North Africa considerably harder. So, so there's a huge reason for that, and, and the, there is a sort of certain advantage in that the Arctic convoys aren't really happening at this time of year because there's 24 sunshine up in the Arctic, which makes it yeah. very difficult. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so there's some merchant ships around, and, and the big thing is is the is the problem of a of a tanker. So all the merchant vessels they managed to get 14 merchant vessels, and uh, all fast ones that can operate at kind of 14 knots plus, and all of them are going to have the same cargo. It's a bit of fuel, a bit of ammunition, a bit of you yeah, know, a bit of this, a bit of that. Yeah. Um, but they also really need fuel, you know aviation fuel and fuel um, above everything else, and, and they need a tanker. And the U.S. Uh, Maritime um, Commission has very decently given the British two tankers um, from the Texaco Oil Company. One is the Kentucky, which is sunk during the June convoys. Yeah. The yeah. second one is the Ohio. So the Ohio is 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 the lone tanker. Although all the ships have got fuel on, that's not going to cut it. You know, they need a bit yeah. more than that. They, they need a whole tanker's tank worth. worth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, so, it's, it's so, interesting, isn't it? Because because this very much falls into, you know, 1942 is the sort of, is the, the where the, it's uphill for the first half, down downhill for the second, essentially, for the Allies, isn't it? And this is the, this is the last bit of uphill. And, and yes. isn't it? And the Allies are often, you know, they have, st- the other day, someone, someone, I can't remember who it was, but someone posted, Al Murray's got a book about generals coming out. Yes, but the war was won by massive infrastructure and 600,000 people worked in the Los Alamos project. Yes, fine. But but 
but there what there is a point in the war where this that that critical mass of industrial effort has not kicked in yet and there's only one oil tanker available to the british to you know and also you still got to get you still got to get people to bloody fight and very often and you need decent commanders as Malta <laughs> yeah, demonstrates I know. absolutely I know. I, I, exactly but but I just it's just really interesting that because there is not yet the period of Massive, <laughs> but also that's that's such an absurd argument. I mean, no one's you're not even remotely suggesting that the war no. isn't won by the many. No. This is just a book about commanders. Yeah, no, but 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 the, but my point is is that, is that we're not yet, but we're also we're also not yet at the Allied stage of 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 feast in terms of. You know, you're still halfway. This is 1942. You're, you're coming out of the this famine. Is, this exactly. is before the line in the ground. You know, this is you know, Alexander has got has reached reached Cairo on something like the fourth of August. So yeah. you know, literally just as a pedestal is being assembled, and he's wandering around Cairo, seeing the low morale. And at this point, he's going no more retreats. You yeah, know, this is this is the the, the moment. You yeah, know, August 1942 is this vitally important month in 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 yeah. allied fortunes it's the one where where the war turns in the mediterranean completely yeah. on its head in august 1942 and pedestal is absolutely key to that so the yeah. whole convoy there's massive ships as force uh, there's force x as force um z um assembled this huge force of naval you know of, of these 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 aircraft carriers and, yeah. and battleships and you know seven cruisers and 32 destroyers etc Plus these this tiny little fourteen, you know, for a fifteen strong convoy, and they're assembling. You know, they're they're crossing the Straits of Gibraltar on the ninth of kind of you know ninth tenth of 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 August, moving through into the Mediterranean. Yeah, and um, Eagle is hit to uh, depending on what what your timing scheme is, sort of you know um, eleven fifteen or one fifteen p.m. Yeah, and, and sinks in eight minutes. You know, and the Eagle is an aircraft carrier. It's a really big ship. It's got lots of Spitfires on it, yeah. um, uh, and um, and it hasn't got Spitfires on it. It's got it's got other ships on it, other other planes yeah. on it. Yeah, and, and you know, everyone can see it tilting. But I remember talking to Art Roscoe, who is from Hollywood. He's an American. Yeah, yeah. He went through the Clayton Knight Committee, joined the RCAF, ended up at Seventy One Squadron, Eagle Squadron, um, and then had a slight stigmata in his eye. Knew he wasn't going to get accepted by the by the U.S. Um, Air Force, so thought, "Sorry, I'm going to stay with the RAF," which is why he's still the RAF. Gets posted out, out to Malta. He's on the HMS Furious, seeing it, and you can see this. You know, pictures. Well, he of sees the, Eagle. the torpedoes. Incredibly dramatic. It's literally at forty five degrees. Yeah, yeah, and he see, yeah, he sees the torpedoes go into it, doesn't he, and thinks. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. And yeah. um and so so, you know, Eagle's just gone down with hundred and sixty-three men, um, you know, just like that. And it's a it's a kind of everyone just everyone looks at that and just goes, Holy moly, yeah. you know, we, we are in we are for in for it. Yeah. We are in for it. And, and 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 so it happens. Um and they're then attacked later that night, um, and there's lots of near misses, and near misses cause problems, as we were as we yeah. were learning the other day when we were talking to Andy Saunders. You know, lots of damage from 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 yeah. blast and stuff. Yeah. But they 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 forge on. But by the following day, they're kind of you know they're 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 kind of south of Sardinia, north of Tunisia, and they're now they're really really within range of of Axis ships. Yeah. Um, of Axis aircraft. Yeah. And they start to get. The twelfth of August is just a horror story. It's just, just, it's yeah. like one attack after another. So it's the, it's the Ducalion is the first we hit, straddled by four bombs from Junkers eighty eight yeah. coming in at kind of one o'clock. Yeah. Um, the, one of the one of the um, uh, destroyers that comes to its rescue is the Bramham. Um, and helps pick up survivors, and they manage to get the ship going again, even though it's got this sort of huge great hole in it. Yeah, because they're obviously all done on bulkheads. Yeah. So, so each bit is kind of in sections, and as long as you can isolate one bit, um, you know, you should be all right. Your engines don't get get hit. You can sort of. 
keep yeah. going on. If you you might have a hole in your side, but that doesn't mean you're going to sink. So they, they managed to keep them going again, but but obviously much slower, which then means you're a straggler, which basically means you know you're you are toast. Yeah. And there's a little bit of escort stay with Decalion, but but the bulk of them go off again. More attacks at night, um, and. Uh, 7.45, another bevy of, of JU-88s come across. Then it's at 9 o'clock when the Heinkel 111s come over and they come in low, cut their engines, come from out of the setting sun, um, and, and again, and hit Decalion. And that's, you know, that's it. You know, Decalion yeah. kind yeah. of gets gets hit and um, what, its, fuel, um, its fuel gets hit and explodes and that's the end of Decalion. Um, Jim, the, the, yeah. what's the balance of Axis forces um, opposing the pedestal um convoy is so, it is it more italian than is it, it it's aircraft from the italian air force the italian navy um uh and no it's 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 because it, is the, it mainly no. Luftwaffe? So lots of it, it it's 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 most of the bombers are luftwaffe and right. they've been they've been brought in because of you know german intelligence has picked up what's happening yeah. So uh, and, and so they're already there. Don't forget they're you know they're they're hu- you know they're hu- they're hustled up to to Tunisia and up to um, to Sicily. You know, don't forget it's only a flight away from kind of Libya. Yeah. Yeah. So you can you you know you can, you you know on 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 Tuesday you hear about it. On Wednesday you can be good to go. Yeah. You know, there's no there's, it's it's not a big big drama. But obviously, if you're supporting a great big major operation like Rommel's counterattack, you know, attack at Gazala, then obviously you need them all in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just behind and your fighter planes behind you. We're not talking we're not talking fighter planes here. We're talking bombers. We're talking yeah. Heinkels, Junkers, yeah, um, Stukas. That's what we're talking about. So, so they've put they've basically put their 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 tactical bombing effort. Um, to see in effect, right? And exactly. and, and when are they spotted? When's pedestal spotted? Is it spotted as it goes through the Straits of Gibraltar? Is it spotted yeah. by Spanish fishermen? Who who spots? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, all that, all that. Yeah, yeah. They pick up, they, they you know, they pick up with the intelligence, but they also get spotted um, and uh, reported. I think it's from Spanish Morocco. And, I'm, and, and I imagine, them into, into, I imagine Bletchley knows that they know. So you've got Bletchley Park via Ultra going right, yeah, and that's and, and that's going to Ultra to um, to the kind of sort of command post at um, you know at, at Lascaris War Rooms in just a, on the edge of Valletta. They're following it all absolutely minute by minute, um, you know, round the clock. You know, it's it's classic kind of RAF operations room stuff. But there's yeah. a naval part to the Lascaris War Rooms as well, which is done yeah. on exactly the same thing. Huge, great maps, plots of yeah. you know aircraft and raids, plots coming in, and but but ships on the on on the water rather than Plots of yeah. of friendly aircraft as it is in the Battle of Britain. You know, yeah. so it's exactly the same sort of thing, um, and, and it just goes. You know, it just goes on. So you know, on that day, the twelfth of August, um, yeah, you know, that's that's when the the cruisers Cairo and Nigeria get hit. Um, the Indomitable, the second aircraft, gets hit by three bombs. Yeah, um, part of the deck collapses. One bomb hits the twin turrets forward of the bridge. Everyone's killed on that. You know that, that, that it, it's not sunk, but it's has to limp back to jib immediately. Yeah. Um, the HIO, which is the the the, the, um, the fuel tanker, yeah. that's hit as well. Torpedo near the pump room, which rips open a large section of the decks, and you know all the crew were expecting her to pump her, uh, to blow at any moment. And the, wa- and the water, hole. the water puts the fire out, doesn't it? Exactly, because there's a huge hole on its side, which is 27 foot by 24, which is not so that's not a small amount of Jesus. Of, that's that's a pretty big old hole. But fortunately, it's not affecting its engines or anything. So it's able to keep going. The problem that it's got is it's got now got this little bit of jagged metal sticking out, which is yeah. actually acting as a kind of rudder. Um, so that's the problem. But but on the evening of, of the 12th of August, the heavy escort 4Z um, 
uh, with all the remaining escort, um, aircraft carriers, um, turns back for Gibraltar. So, so that's that's that gone to the un- to the un- un- uninitiated. Why does the heavy escort? What? Why would the heavy escort turn back? What? What? What's going on? What is that? Because the water, you're just entering such a narrow stretch of water in the Straits of Sicily that it's simply too dangerous to risk these capital ships and aircraft carriers any any further. Right. Is is that the reason, or is it yes, just yes. And you're handing it. You've over? Got, you've you're got... handing over to Malta Air Defence. What's the What's the thinking? Better both, both, right. both, and that's where the Malta Air Defence really kicks in. So you can get rid of your aircraft carriers because you, you've lost your fighter protection basically between then and the following morning. Yeah. Fighter protection is no good for you at night anyway because it's dark. Yeah. So once it's dark, the following morning, crack of dawn, first light, Spitfires from Malta will be over. Yeah. So you yeah. don't need albacores and you know yeah. whatever. Yeah. All the rest of it. So uh, and also you've lost Eagle and you've got Indomitable really badly hit. So yeah. they are they're, they're they're in the turd. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, Cairo has to be scuttled. It's a cruiser. Yeah. You know, Nigeria's hit, rudder jammed. Manchester then gets hit. You know, I mean, so this is you know, it's really. The, the, Unlike most convoys where where it is just the merchantmen that the U-boats focus on, this yeah. is not the case with this. Yeah. This this is a different breed of Axis force which is attacking this. And they are absolutely out to get the merchant vessels, but they're also out to get the escorts as well. Yeah, yeah. It, which, is, which is a very different type of convoy to what's, what's come before. Um, so Deucalion's gone, then the Empire Hope and the Clan Ferguson go down on the evening of the 12th. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's you know, and every, everyone's just terrified. I, I, I remember that conversation with Freddie Treves, and he was just saying that, you know, that night, you know, he was he was huddled on the kind of forecastle uh, and just, you know, 17, and yeah. just absolutely terrified out of his wits. Yeah. And it gets dark, and, and he's been befriended. It's his first ship, and he's been befriended by this guy called Abel Seaman Bodori. Bodori is 60. And kind of an absolute sea dog, but has never kind of risen up through the yeah. ranks. And Bodori kind of takes pity on on this guy, on Freddie, and and kind of looks at keeps a kind of an avuncular kind of eye on him. And and Freddie thinks that Bodori is asleep, so he thinks, well, no one's looking. I'm actually going to get on my knees. I'm going to pray. <laughs> so he gets on his knees and starts praying. My and Bodori God. says, and Bodori isn't asleep and says, I just want you to know that if my knees are up to it, I'd join you. <laughs> Oh my God! But you know, and so it goes on. And overnight, as as it transitions from the twelfth to the thirteenth, they go from the kind of U-boat submarine zone into the Schnellbooter zone. Yeah. Uh, and the following morning, they're now within air. Uh, you know, they're within. Um, and and those fighter planes from operating out of you know doing umbrellas out of Malta are being yeah. operated by Keith Park. Yeah. Who is making sure there is never less than 16 Spitfires over the convoy at any yeah. one time. Right. Which is decent numbers, of course. Um, but but it doesn't stop, you know, more being kit because, you know, the Schnellbooter are just the most lethal of all weapons, yeah, yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, three more MVs are sunk um, by S-boats overnight in the dark. Yeah. The, the Wairangi, the Almira Likes, and the Santa Elisa. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Gernorki has gone down as well. Um, everyone suffered damage. Um, and I remember talking to Lieutenant Ted Fawcett, who was on HMS Bramham, and, you know, he was lower, being lowered down into whalers like kind of four times a day to go and rescue, pick up merchant seamen and stuff. I mean, just absolutely incredible. And, um, yeah, and then later that night, later that, and then, oh, yeah, Brisbane Star is hit on the 12th. 
yeah. um, at about 9pm and it's reduced its, its, its ability to, to go at kind of 14 knots. So the captain, Captain Riley, decides I'm going to split from the rest of it. I'm going to be a loan shark and I'm going to hug the North African coast and gets called into port by, on a radio by the French authorities in northern Tunisia. Mm. It's still fishy French at this point. Um, and ignores them. And then a French boat comes out and talks to him and he managed to blag his way through. Wow. And gets let off. I mean, basically, the French don't really care. Yeah. So, you know, um, so he's let off. So he's on his, on his own. Um, but but later on that day, the Weimarama is hit and that sinks in three minutes. Yeah. And Freddie Treves has had this dream the night before where he's had this premonition about, about it happening. And the logical way to... And it's listing in literally, you know, half a minute... And and the logical way is to kind of um, is is to jump the lowest side to the water, but he does the opposite. He goes yeah. from the from from the from I think the starboard side, which is because it's listing to port, and jumps free. And Bodori goes with him, and he manages to sort of swim away. Uh, and he looks back and sees Bodori, um, cling, who can't swim, clinging to this 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 you know um, debris. Yeah. Um, but being sucked back to flames on the on the water. Yeah, and 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 Bo Dory can't do anything about it. Yeah, and, he, yeah. and he's beyond Freddie Treves' reach, and Freddie can't do it. And he sees his friend kind of screaming and, and getting engulfed by the flames and basically being burnt to death. And and that's Jesus. when he broke down on me. Um, yeah. But he did manage to help another person who couldn't swim, a chap called John Jackson, and he managed to save him and get him out. So he got some incredible medal for that. God, um, some merchant merchant yeah. um, navy kind of you know yeah. um, medal for that. Um, but but the problem is is that a high just keeps being hit and its its engines are dead on the thirteenth. Um, it's got this huge bit of metal does, jagging does, out. Doesn't a Stuka crash into it and sort of bounce off? Yeah. It. So what happens is is, is so, so um, the shanty and the lead brick run alongside it. Yeah. And to try and give it an anti aircraft umbrella. Yeah. Over it. Yeah. Um, and they do hit down a, a Stuka which skims into the water, skims off the water, and then crashes onto the deck. Jeepers. And again, everyone thinks it's gonna. It's going to blow, and at one point, you know, it's absolutely dead in the water. It's you know, it's list. It's not. It's not listing. It's sinking, uh, and they just think this is absolutely gone. So they abandon ship, and then they suddenly realise it's you know, an hour later, it's, they're trying to organise themselves. It's still afloat. Yeah. So they go actually, well, let's get get back on it again, and they switch on the radio, uh, and lots of people hear the Chattanooga choo choo being played out on from the bridge over the over the loudspeakers, and it just calms everyone down. God. Um, and they manage to kind of get get um, two of the destroyers. Um, um, uh, yes, what is it? It's the, it's the um, Bramham and the and the Ledbury, and is it the Pen? I think, and they get the Ledbury and the Pen. No, I think it's it's the Bramham and the and the and the Pen either side of it, and the yeah. Ledbury in front of it, and they so they straddle it and lead it and tow it yeah. in, and, and and the Brisbane. St- so the two first two get in on the evening of the. 13th, so 6.25pm, the Rochester Castle reaches yeah. Grand Harbour and then the yeah. Port Charbers and the Melbourne Star. And the Brisbane Star gets in the following day, so only four out of the 14 have actually made it in. The other 10 have been sunk. Um, and the Ohio, they managed to get it in, but of course by that point it's, it's, it's within escort and there's no one else to look after at yeah. that point. Yeah. So they can focus all their energies on protecting the, the, the Ohio. So throughout the 14th, it is inching in at walking pace. Doing the kind of last sixty yeah. miles, yeah, and so in the from first light on the fifteenth, they can see it out at sea, and it looks like it's. I remember Ted Fawcett saying to me, you know, he was on the Bramham, just saying, you know, we can see the breakwalkers, they just didn't seem to be getting any closer, you know, we're just <laughs> just like going on forever and ever and ever, and then about seven thirty in the morning, um, um, they finally get past the breakwaters, and they're in, and all, you know. 
tens of thousands of Maltese are on the lower barracas yeah. and the upper barracas and on the three cities, the bastions of the three cities, cheering and waving because everyone knows how important it is. So yeah. it's four ships that managed to get in plus the Ohio. And, and that saves Malta. I mean, it yeah. absolutely saves Malta. Yeah. And, and it means there's food, food can start to be distributed, fuel can be distributed, which means, you know, bakeries and things can start to run again. Yeah. But m- most importantly, as an offensive base, it, it, it means that Malta's, an, yeah. you know, can 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 get back up and running in very very quick order and and you know those six dist- those six um fuel um tankers which are uh, which Rommel so desperately needs before he launches the battle of Alam Halfa at the very end of August all of them are sunk all of them and are they're sunk. all sunk from kind of Malta based operations you know so you you can see why it's so important I mean, of course it, it lands on the feast day of Santa Maria which is the most important feast day of all yeah. so it's this miracle that's happened and you know etc etc yeah well for those requiring proof of god's existence it's one of those it's one of those events isn't it yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I mean, the thing is, though, it's such a strange episode because the Italians uh, and the Germans uh, tactically are incredibly effective. They yeah. um, they completely they completely do in this convoy. Um, they're, yeah. they're unlucky in that the Ohio ma- manages to make it to Malta. The the, the, the Axis forces. It's. Yep. I mean, you can't. You could argue the wrong could have way. Gone either way. Well, it could have gone either way. And so you could argue this this is tactically a victory for the Germans with and the and the and the Italians, isn't it? It's a tactical victory for the Axis. I, I would you could argue. You've got you know fourteen Because two thirds of it's been sunk. Exactly. Fourteen transports. There's an aircraft ten of which are at the bottom of the ocean, an aircraft carrier's been sunk, all sorts of destroyers and capital ships have been smashed up. Um, aircraft shot down. Uh, uh, yes, I keep saying fifteen. It's fourteen in all, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. So tactically, so it's a tactical victory for the Axis, but a strategic victory for the Allies. And you've got this very peculiar, you know, the people who apparently lose win, and the pe- people who apparently win lose. And the Germans come away from this thinking, well, that went pretty well, really. We 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 smashed them up. Yeah, okay. That the couple of ships got through but they were probably bound for alexandria anyway those transports so like well done everybody and they're high-fiving themselves as a, a successful re- result that the, in malta it's sort of regarded as a sort of transformative moment of of deliverance uh, for, by the maltese as much it's as the beginning else. of the end of the siege i mean it's the beginning, know, it's, it's it's the beginning. exactly the it's such a pe- yeah. it, but it's so peculiar because I, and that it's not better known in the history of the war it's that it's not like a dunkirk Arnhem D-Day level event, I think is quite striking. It's quite peculiar because the sacrifice, the determination, the against all odds um, uh, uh, victory from the jaws of defeat aspect of the... But is that because it's a naval battle, essentially, and that we don't look at the Navy in the same way we do as the Glamour Boys in yeah, the Yeah, I don't know. Or, I or, don't know, and it's Mediterranean and Mediterranean sideshow and all that kind of, you know, that line of argument. I don't know. I, I, I You know, I mean, obviously, I, I came to it very early on in my, my... Yeah. But I think it's... But in terms of human drama, in terms of kind of Hollywood script, it's yeah. kind of hard to beat. I mean, yeah. it's an amazing story, and the kind of icing on the cake is the fact that it, you know, the Hio limps through the Saviour, limps through on on Santa Maria feast day. Yeah. You know, this yeah. this such an important feast day for the Maltese. I mean, you you, yeah. it's it's just extraordinary. Yeah. Um. And what what an amazing effort, and and it really does turn Allied fortunes around in the Mediterranean. Yeah. There's yeah. absolutely no question about it. Well, and it's sort of. From, from kind of from then on, really, you're yes. you're back you're kind of back on track. Anyway, 
Um, well, we hope you've enjoyed listening to this. Um, uh, we've yep. um, and we got we'll, part two tomorrow with, with, ta- with talking Professor to Timmy Gambine. Yep, um, uh, who is a marine archaeologist, the Jacques Cousteau of Malta, I think he's been described as. Um, who knows? Yeah. Who know? Who, who who just wants to dive on all the thousands of wrecks around yes. around Malta? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Thanks again for listening. We will see you very soon. Bye bye. Cheerio.